Hello, and welcome to the Chest Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of Chess, I would like to welcome you to this Chest Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Gretchen Winter, your Chest podcast moderator. Thank you all for joining us today for what I'm sure will be a great discussion on moral distress and intensivists. We're quite fortunate today to have Dr. Dominique Paquette with us. Dr. Paquette is an adult critical care physician at Sunnybrook, a scientist at the Sunnybrook Research Institute, an assistant professor in the Interdepartmental Division of Critical Care Medicine at the University of Toronto, and a center researcher at the Wilson Center. Dr. Paquette's current research interests are primarily focused on better understanding how physicians learn in changing critical care clinical environments at the postgraduate and post-certification levels. In order to achieve that goal, she uses a range of research methodologies, including quantitative and qualitative approaches. And Dr. Paquette is also actively engaged in critical care curriculum development and evaluation, as well as in teaching at multiple levels. So Dr. Paquette and her colleagues wrote an article in the Chess Journal, Moral Distress in Canadian Intensivists, a Complex Interplay of Contextual and Relational Factors. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Paquette. It's my great pleasure to be with you today. Well, I'd like to start by asking you why you decided to study this. So what was your question and why did you think it was important? Yeah, so um, this all started uh, in uh, 2018, actually, when our group conducted a, a national survey of practicing Canadian critical care physicians on moral distress, but also on other wellness indicators. And um, so that's interesting because maybe those days it becomes a little bit uh, futile to ask why would we be interested in moral distress? Because I think uh, after the COVID or during the COVID pandemic, it, it maybe became obvious that uh, healthcare professional well-being was truly important. But uh, obviously, even before the pandemic, um, healthcare professional wellness was already a concern uh, for healthcare organization and healthcare associations. Um, and therefore, we wanted to better characterize uh, the scope of the problems amongst um, critical care physicians. Uh, so we, we know that in the literature, um, moral distress has, has been studied traditionally more in the nursing uh, profession. And we wanted to get a better sense of uh, the level of moral distress and the scope of the problems amongst physicians. When we conducted the survey, we had uh, open written comments at the end of each sections, for each section for each of the wellness indicator. And um, given the richness of the comments that were actually uh, added to the surveys by many of the participants, we thought it would be important to actually pay extra attention to those comments. Uh, from the very beginning, we had decided to uh, follow our quantitative survey with a qualitative interview-based study to explore and explain the finding from the surveys and therefore we believe that the 
uh, analysis of the written comments from the survey would be very useful to explain and to uh, design our or to inform our interview guide for our interview-based study that study that followed. So we focus um, our analysis uh, a bit more specifically on understanding uh, the inter-individual variability in moral distress amongst Canadian ICU physicians that we actually um, had observed or, or found uh, during the quantitative survey. And we thought that that knowledge would be extremely important in the design of future organizational intervention um, that aim to address moral distress in the critical care environment. Excellent. So can you please explain for our listeners what moral distress is and why it matters? What are the consequences of it? Yeah, so moral distress happens so um, when healthcare professional uh, perceive that there are some constraints that can be, for example, institutional that prevent them from uh, acting in accordance to what they feel is actually morally right. So, um, for example, a physician, a nurse, or another healthcare professional can have fairly strong feeling about what is the right thing to do in a given clinical scenarios, and yet because of some external constraint, um, is it doesn't feel that they can believe in accordance with those values. And that discrepancy between how people feel and how they feel pressure to act is actually the source of moral distress. So <clears throat> we know that, um, for example, um, disagreement about the best course of actions um, with between physicians and family or between healthcare professionals and family, uh, especially at end of life, can, for example, be a source of, of morale distress, but also other situations like the inability to provide the best possible care because of a lack of resources or administrative requirements are other examples of, of uh, classical, I would say, sources of morale distress amongst healthcare professionals. And obviously, um, you know, we wouldn't care about moral distress if it didn't have potentially negative consequences. And we know from the literature that moral distress is actually associated with consequences both at the organizational but also at the personal level. And and certainly um, our care systems um, have experienced that over the last few years um, uh, in response in part to the COVID pandemic. Um, so examples of organizational consequences would be, for example, having the healthcare force leaving uh, the profession or changing institution um, or providing lower quality of care because of um, the distress they experience uh, during their clinical activities. At the personal levels, healthcare professionals may experience uh, burnout or um, depression symptoms. Um, and these things have all been associated with um, moral distress experience at work. So can you explain what the interplay is between moral distress and burnout? We often are hearing these terms used interchangeably. So are they different things? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so they are different 
they are definitely different. Um, moral distress really relates to ethics, to morality, to judgments that we make about what is good and what is wrong. Uh, whereas burnout is more of a chronic workplace uh, stress that can manifest itself by feelings of exhaustion, psychological distance, or negativisms towards work. So as I just said, moral distress is actually associated to burnout, um, but burnout can obviously be related to a range of things other than moral dilemma or moral decision-making that hair care professionals have to make in, in real life. So if I give you a practical example, so for example, a high workload can be a source of burnout in the long term uh, because if people have to do more than what they can in um, uh, uh, their day, obviously that creates some stress. And if people feel they can control the amount of work that they have to do, then they might uh, develop burnout. Um, but the workload can also become a high workload can also become a source of moral distress if there is so much to do that the healthcare professional feels that it actually compromises the quality of care they would like to provide or they feel is they should provide to the patients. So the same factors can actually cause burnout and or moral distress. And, and sometimes it's a questions of intensity or sometimes it's a questions of circumstances. Um, for example, if we think about end of life care, um, end of life care can be emotionally exhausting. So if a nurse has to care for a patient who just died and then need to move to the other patients in a critical care environment where beds unfortunately never um, are never empty for very long. So that can obviously cause burnout if it happens too uh, rapidly, but not necessarily moral distress if um, the patient die in a comfortable or dignified way um, from the point of view of the healthcare professional. The one more thing. I just wanted to add one more thing is that um, I think everybody argued that morale dis burnout, sorry, is is kind of a, a bad thing. So we we don't want the healthcare professional to be to be burnout. Uh, but increasingly, we hear in the literature and in the public discourse that maybe a certain level of moral distress may not be bad, uh, and maybe it's needed and part of the pr profession and represent a kind of moral compass that actually guide our care. So. Um, I think it's um, those distinctions might be very important, although we may not fully understand um, at the present uh, the nuances between all those concepts. And how was your study conducted? So um, pretty simply, actually, uh, for the current study, we actually uh, analyzed the free text comments that were included in our survey conducted in 2018. And we look at um, the uh, different perceptions of ICU physicians who face in their workplace uh, situation that uh, trigger moral distress. So this was a qualitative, simple thematic analysis um, where we look at 135 free text comments that were written by 83 of the 225 adult and pediatric intensivists in Canada 
who actually initially participate in the online cross-sectional survey. And as I said, given the richness of these comments, uh, we thought there was enough depth there to deserve a, a proper um, thematic analysis. So your study found a number of both contextual and relational factors that contributed to moral distress. Can you discuss some of those factors? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess some of those findings were clearly expected. And our participant mentioned, um, for example, healthcare system and organization characteristic, like a lack of resources as potential factors um, contributing to moral distress. Uh, but and also other things like regulatory frameworks. Um, so in Canada, for example, there have been changes uh, in um, healthcare po policy from some of our provincial college, for example, that um, changed the way the no CPR order um, should be discussed with the family and should be documented in the chart. So those things um, were uh, mentioned as contributing factor to moral distress by our participants. Um, you know, changes in more broadly so societal expectations were also linked to moral distress. And, and what people expect um, at end of life and expect from their healthcare systems uh, certainly uh, evolve over time. So those things were kind of expected, um, but what came across very strongly in, in our result was uh, the importance of the relational factors uh, as potential contributor to moral distress. So the nature of the interactions between the physicians and their peers, with other healthcare professional, and also with, with patients and family, obviously, um, were uh, recurrent um, factors that were mentioned by our participants. Um, and the nature of this, these interactions could be disagreement with patients and, and family, obviously, those are, are regularly mentioned as, as a source of moral distress, but also disagreement with coworkers about goals of care, or co-workers or witnessing, witnessing co-workers on professional behaviors towards patient and family. So a broad range of, of factors uh, associated with moral distress. You also found a number of factors that contributed to other work-related stress. What were those? So obviously there was some overlap um, between uh, those different factors and we found some, again, organizational factors related to work-related stress that were not necessarily related to morale distress, like a lack of policy to protect air care worker from abuse, for example, um, and also some relational factors, uh, for example, co-workers and professional behaviors. Um, patients and families' disrespectful behaviors or disagreement about general aspect of cares that were not necessarily involving moral conflict. Um, so overall, a lot of physicians reported actually a pretty high level of distress, again, not moral in nature, uh, from experiencing or witnessing, um, you know, lack of support or negative judgment or disrespect from, from co-workers or from even patients and family. Now, in your article, you discuss how an imbalance between these professional demands and then the benefits of resources and rewards can lead to negative consequences. Can you please expand on that? 
Yeah, so I think that's potentially, uh, you know, an explanation for the variability of moral distress or the variability of association between level of moral distress and some of the negative consequences that have been reported by our participants, but also in the literature in general. So not everybody with moral distress, for example, leave their profession and not everybody facing pretty challenging clinical environment even experience moral distress or report moral distress. There's definitely no doubt that as healthcare professional, especially working in, in critical care environment, but in general, um, you know, we uh, evolve in demanding and complex environment. And yet not every, everybody experiences the same level of, of distress and moral distress. And what we found is that in an environment where the demands are very high, either related to morale distress or to other work-related stress, um, there seems to be a, a protective protective factors that that uh, prevent people from um, you know developing uh, the negative consequences uh, or even feeling distress um, in relationship to their work environment. Um, and I think it's important to also focus not only on the negative aspect uh, related to, to the work that we do, but also on something that was reported by many of our participants. Um, so the work-related rewards um, and, you know, the um, individual resources that people or coping strategies that people have to face those challenges. So it's important to mention that many of our participants really describe their work as incredibly rewarding, um, despite the challenge encounter, and sometimes in, in because of those challenge and and overcoming those situation, even the the morally challenging ones, were often mentioned by our participants as something that um, bring some satisfaction. Um, People also mentioned coping strategies and the two that were uh, most commonly mentioned by our participants relate to um, the social support that they got at work or elsewhere. And also this notion of accepting moral distress as an intrinsic part of the profession. So something that is there um, that they have to deal with, but that they felt that they have the resources and the support um, to uh, address it. So you also report varying levels in the in the levels of moral distress amongst in different intensivists. So what are some potential reasons for that variability? Yeah, and I think that's actually you know a key factor that will certainly need further expl explanation because. I mean, some of the potential solutions actually probably come from, from this variability or understanding what are the cause of this variability. Um, so we already knew from the literature um, that the level of moral distress vary um, across professions. So we know that, for example, nurses are uh, typically report a higher level of moral distress than physician. Uh, but there's also variability described in the literature within profession, a, a bit like we had just demonstrated with um, our survey. We also know that moral distress actually uh, differ across gen genders and, and, and career stages um, and across uh, discipline, for example, between critical care and non-critical uh, care physicians. So, so 
in in that view, you know, it's not necessarily surprising that we found some some variability. Um, and and we know based on what the participant have reported in terms of the factor influencing uh, their level of moral distress, that those factors obviously can vary a lot from a clinical environment to the other. So when we think about organizational characteristics or legal frameworks, which in Canada often vary from province to province, um, or even the local patient populations, um, these things, of course, um, means that not every clinician faces the same situation. Um, as I just mentioned, um, the level of acceptance of moral distress as part of the profession uh, also seems to be, um, you know, influencing the response to the physician or the perception of their level of, of moral distress. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not so clear how the physicians develop these different perceptions um, of their condition. And this is something, uh, of course, that uh, we want uh, and we have explored uh, a little bit further. So there are many possible reasons for um, the variability that depends not only on the circumstances in which the physicians work, but also how, how they've processed over time their different experiences and the environment in which they're, uh, they're working in terms of, uh, of support, um, obviously. So how can we use the findings of the study to guide interventions in the future? Yeah, so that's a, an interesting question. And obviously, we will have, there's much more works, work that needs to be done in that area to really understand. But I think what the results show is that some of those factors that you, we mentioned, um, obviously, we don't have a lot of control on them, right? So uh, societal ex societal expectations uh, change over time, uh, and as a profession, uh, this is something that might be difficult to um, to uh, influence. Not impossible, but certainly quite challenging. Uh, in the same way, organizational um, uh, structures are you know created to uh, meet sometimes some conflicting needs and individual healthcare professional may not have a lot of control on these things. However, you know, we also, uh, the study also reveals some of the factors that on which we do have some control. Um, and as we discuss, a lot of the factors affecting moral distress or other work-related stress are actually interactional and related to how we talk to each other and we behave with each other, either between healthcare professional or uh, with our patients and our family. And um, as much as social interactions can uh, be source of moral distress, it can also be source of uh, professional rewards and also an important coping strategy to face the challenges that we meet every day in our profession. And therefore, um, you know, interventions that are um, locally um, adapted to allow better communication between healthcare professional um, to discuss those morally challenging situations uh, may be very important in minimizing the moral distress within a team. Um, and, and I think this is much more acceptable or feasible in terms of, in, you know, institutional or organiz organizational intervention 
um, than trying to impact some of the other factors that are uh, difficult to modify. So how does your study compare to the prior literature on moral distress and intensivists? And what does your study uniquely add to that literature? So um, I think uh, the, the patients and family values and preference um, have been traditionally very much identified as sources of moral distress. Um, and, and the role of positive or negative interactions with work, work colleague may have been less clearly emphasized, um, despite the fact that they are potentially modifiable, um, as I just, just trying to explain. Um, so I think that's, that's an important, you know, point or things that was emphasized by, by our study. Um, and this is not completely new, obviously. If we look in the critical care nursing literature on moral distress, um, you know, the nurses have identified nurse-physician relationship and interdisciplinary teamwork uh, as factors that contribute to moral distress. Um, but we've also, um, you know, demonstrate that our participants also felt that interaction with their nurse colleagues could add to their moral burden. For example, when uh, nurses were not necessarily aware of the legislations or policies that had to guide the physician decision making. Um, uh, and, and also, um, but also alleviate some of this distress by providing some, some social support. So, um, I, I, and I don't mean by any way to, um, to imply that the circumstances in which healthcare professional work don't contribute sometimes directly to some of the behaviors that they may display because people are tired and burn out are obviously more likely to maybe behave unprofessionally. But I think it's also important that, you know, we realize um, collectively that we, we can contribute to the problem by um, adding to the distress of others in behaving in certain ways. And that organizational inter intervention that allowed um, to foster some behaviors that are a bit more constructive and, and socially supportive uh, can actually go a long way. That's a great point. So as we finish up our discussion, can you please give our listeners a closing thought on what you've learned from your experiences in the study? What do you want them to take away from this talk? Yeah, so I think, um, I think it's, um, I think, I think we've only scratched a bit the surface of um, um, not only the importance, but the cause and the best way to manage work-related stresses. Um, as we um, indicated in the title, uh, it's really a complex interplay of factors that contribute to um, our uh stress, the stress that is experiences in our work environment. Um, so, but at the same time, I think it's important to realize that they might be intervention that are very fairly simple um, or achievable um, in our workplace that really can make a difference in terms of uh, our collective well-being and that focusing on maybe 
uh, or looking uh, in more depth into um, the source of professional rewards and um, individual who seems to be uh, facing those situations uh, with less negative consequences uh, could really actually inform um, future intervention and improve our workplaces. Well, a big thank you to Dr. Paquette for a great conversation on what I think is an extremely important topic, and a huge thank you to our CHEST community for joining us. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a CHEST podcast. Until next time. <laughs>